I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to Twelve Pack Radio, and it is time. It is time. We are in week one. We have so many games to cover. If you haven't listened to our previous podcast with Max Meyer, our new host, please do so. And just a just a quick note. Clearly, one of one of the guests. I won't. I won't say which host didn't have their microphone plugged in, but it was it was pretty telling. It was kind of like a a, a manifestation of Arizona's football performance against Hawaii. <laughs> the fact that we were talking without being plugged into the computer. So uh, do bear with it. But but it was a good um, good podcast. This is Brian Conger, the host of Twelve Pack Radio. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be recording weekly, every single week, breaking down every single game. And you can follow the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or you know whatever. Follow us on our website. Site sharpcollegefootball.com, where you can dig all of Rob Barron's beta rank advanced college football statistics, and you can follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. And Rob, welcome back, man. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm still recovering from, uh, you know, losing to Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not a great, not a great start for the Pac-12 or Arizona. Hey, but many points were scored. It was a fun game wasn't a great game but it was a fun game to watch uh, and again we, we spent a lot of time breaking that down on 12 pack radio so let's let's move on to the games that are coming up and one of the big games uh, of the week is auburn oregon and there has been a really prolific writer on college football um he's part of addicted to quack he also um has participated in the quack 12 podcast breaking down all these pack 12 teams and doing deep dives and it's been fun because uh, and, and of course our, our guest is hithliday and hithliday has been doing these really solid interviews with a number of guests and we at 12 pack radio have been doing this so this is kind of like the merging of minds when it comes to okay let's hash out which teams we think are going to be good which teams we don't and it's really a pleasure to have you back on the podcast how's it going hit day i'm good how are you excellent and by the way you had a great piece on addicted to quack breaking down auburn and oregon and you do these great studies on that website too where um really just gives in depth it's a lot of intricate football knowledge um are you going to continue doing that this year? Yeah, you bet. Uh, I typically publish two articles every week, uh, one which is a preview of the uh, upcoming Oregon opponent, and then one uh, after the game, you're reviewing the game, and uh, you put up a uh, uh, video clips, you know, to break down plays and try to be fairly comprehensive. Uh, it's uh, it's been a pretty well received series. I'm happy uh, for the feedback that I've gotten. And if you're a Pac-12 fan. And your team plays Oregon, and if you think that your right guard is good, my God, Hithliday will tell you otherwise. It's a, it's really it's fun to see uh, because it's a really non biased view of of the opposing team. So definitely check that out. It's really worth it. We'll um, we'll start sharing that um, from our twelve pack radio account. 
And let's let's get into this first game, Hithliday. Big, big matchup between Oregon and Auburn. Um, and we'll talk about Auburn pr- probably at length in this portion, but also in as we go through all these other Pac-12 teams. But one of those, you know, litmus tests for the conference and just some really fascinating matchups. I know everybody's talking about the trenches, but let's start first with Oregon's depth chart, which just was released. Was there anything in that depth chart that stood out for you or was surprising? Well, it's an interesting document. I, I don't know how seriously I take it because there's just so many oars all over the place. Yeah. And uh, and on top of that, this coaching staff tends to be a little vague when it comes to guys who've been injured. Um, so, you know, one of the questions we've all been paying attention to is, you know, which tight end is going to play. That was something that if you study the film of Oregon last year, it was, it was fairly clear that they were missing Cam McCormick and that Jacob Breland's back was still bothering him. And neither of those guys were really practicing. And, you know, the coaches have all said, oh, yeah, they're definitely good to go. And I was like, you know, I'll believe that when I see it. So uh, I, I wouldn't say that I, I saw any surprises on the death chart, um, but, you know, it's hard to take it too seriously we're just gonna have to see who shows up in arlington well rob you have your beta rank numbers on oregon um how do they match up against or uh, auburn here so this is projections of course but uh coming in oregon's projected at number 17 in beta rank and uh, coming into this season they have a lot of returning production um on both sides of the ball uh and their recruiting has picked up of late um auburn comes in projected at number six um i know a lot of uh and uh a lot of folks if you if you just looked at auburn's record last year you wouldn't have expected them to be projected that high but they actually finished out pretty well in beta rank last season number 16 they were sort of unlucky and had a really tough schedule last season i mean they were also not quite as good as most of their competition last season um but they've got some decent amount of production coming back uh, on defense. A um, little more questions on offense. Uh, but their uh, beta ranks projection model, which is less accurate than the in-season model, has it at uh, Auburn is a has a they're a five five and a half point favorite roughly, and have about a sixty six percent win probability. What uh, what kind of home road uh, are you incorporating that at all, or are you treating it as a true neutral site, or what? Uh, it's treated as a true neutral. Um, I mean, I, I, I could, I mean, we could give it, uh, you know, you could give it roughly about another three. Points yeah. Honest. I give it two or three given that, you know, yeah. there's, it's going to be like a 70, 30 split for that crowd. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. It's, um, you know, what I have, uh, taken away from studying both teams, you know, charts and returning production is that a lot of this game is going to depend on how some players, a, a lot of players who we've never seen before wind up playing. And, yeah. uh, and really, you know, honestly, I do feel it, it could go either way. Uh, you know, as much as that pains me as an Oregon fan, because <laughs> it's, well, I'll say this, like, you know, I've just internalized like 13 of their games and Rob's totally right. You know, um, their record was deceptive. They were playing a lot of tough teams. Um, they also have a lot of vulnerabilities uh, okay. and they're replacing a lot of really key players. Um, you know, some guys who I, I might, you know, maybe think that the stat lines would have a hard time picking up. For example, they're losing um, both of their big blocking, you know, the tight end slash fullbacks, Chandler Cox and Tucker Brown. They, they 
they have like no stat line at all. But I can tell you from watching their game games that like those guys are absolutely vital, arguably more vital than than maybe one of their guards. Um, and, you know, so I actually sort of anticipate the run game slowing down a little bit, uh, having to break it. You know, essentially, you know, probably one of their blocking tight ends is going to be former walk on one of them. Uh, their replacement fullback is going to be a transfer from Arizona State who hasn't played in three years. Yeah, J.J. Wilson sighting. It's been a while yeah. since I've yeah. seen that name. <laughs> kind of bonkers um and there's other things like that and similarly for oregon you know there's there are some key players who maybe don't show up in the stat line who they're going to be missing um so gosh i really wish this game were happening on like week two you know like after they oh, me too. annihilated some fcs team so because it's two i mean there's two different questions right i don't even know who is going to play much less how they are going to play um for a whole ton of those positions so so, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's difficult to make a solid prediction on this one. I, you know, I think it's why the Vegas line staying at, at essentially three, which is essentially, you know, the, the home field advantage for Auburn. I, you know, if I were giving advice to gamblers, the advice would be stay away. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I try to tell people this, I mean, because people sometimes fans come back and they try to dunk on me. They're like, you, your model said that we had a, you know, only a 44 percent chance to win this game. And I'm like, things that happen 44 percent of the time are not unlikely. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, really, like the, the projection model just basically has it that if if Auburn or if. If if Oregon ends the game plus one on turnovers, they're they're likely to to win. You know, sure. Like, and, and I mean that was one of the things that uh, maybe I'm pu- trying to pump myself up for Oregon winning this game. But like that's one of the things about you know studying that particular option offense is it, there's like on every single play there's like four reads that the quarterback has to has to perform or, or you know of which three of which are more than the typical quarterback has to make um, and. And while I had some problems with the way that Sidham played in 2018, he had sort of a dip in his downfield passing accuracy. What I didn't have a problem with at all was his his all of performing all of those reads. I hardly ever saw him make a mistake uh, when it you know when it came to you know hand the ball off or throw the ball or whatever and doing the RPO stuff. And you put a true freshman in there, and especially in that type of offense, you know you make the wrong read. You know you don't uh, handle the blitz properly or whatever. That there is a big risk of a turnover and a scoop and score and. Yeah, I, I really I, I feel like one turnover, you know, s- settling the game. That sounds just about right to me. One of the things that you had mentioned is losing production. You mentioned Jarrett Stidham going to the NFL. They have true freshman Bo Nix. Now, this true freshman might be a little bit different from some of the other true freshmen. He was one of the highest rated quarterback commits that was a dual threat coming out. He has Gus Malzahn. Like you mentioned, Hithliday, it's possible that, uh, and I think highly likely, I'd read your preview about uh, you know, Bo Nix not having the ability to read as, as far in depth as Jarrett Sidham. So I'm wondering if, if Malzahn decides to keep that offense pretty conservative, Right. And go with some of their running backs. You have a a player like uh, Jaratavius Winslow, who uh, was a former quarterback, really good athlete. And then he was a wide receiver prospect at a high school. Then he settled in at running back and really came into his own at the end. How is that running attack going to face Oregon offensive line? I'm sorry, an Oregon defensive line. You know, if they decide to keep it conservative roundabouts, how do you see that playing out? Um, I definitely think that Auburn's going to try to run the ball up the middle. Um, That's I mean, it's their bread and butter. Uh, the uh actually they call him booby whitlow uh jartavius way cooler think, or, <laughs> yeah exactly um uh yeah he's he's real good he's he's a real good running back um 
the uh, and they have a pretty full running back room. Uh, you know, they I think they had six guys in the depth chart. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any questions about the their running backs. Uh, you know, a, as running backs, I, I don't uh, I don't think that'll be the issue. I, I think more of the issue is you know how how well their offensive line is going to be blocking because you know they're bringing back all five guys and and I've been I don't know I've been pretty forthright in my you know commentary about their offensive line not being great. Now you know maybe that's because they're playing in the SEC, but you know I've watched them play five non-SEC opponents and they weren't great in those games either um and uh you know that's that's you know it was really the issue and they're somewhat disappointing rushing attack it was really really the issue because their interior guards you know cannot pass protect uh worth a damn and uh and as far as how Oregon is going to shape up against them boy that's the million dollar question for me uh the you know, it's a new defensive coordinator. It's a new scheme. It's a bunch of new players. Um, uh, even in the positions where they weren't losing much, they're rotating different linebackers in because the linebackers who were playing last year were, you know, disappointing in a lot of ways. Um, you know, that's a, that's a huge question. I, you know, I don't even know what the, the linebacker depth chart is going to look like, much less how well, well they're going to play. It, you know, just remains to be seen. Yeah, and this this Oregon team last season, they, their their defense was was, I mean, it was better, it graded out better than their offense in beta rank. It graded out at number thirty nine. Um, they were they were they were pretty good at con- I mean, comparatively at containing explosive plays, and that's that's good because that's what Auburn was really good at last year. They were not an efficient offense. Uh, yes, I back you up on that one 100 <laughs> percent. That's good. That's good, because I, I feel like when, when you and I agree, when the, when the tape and the numbers agree, we're, we're hitting on something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the and, the and they were pretty decent. I mean, the, the Ducks were pretty good at, at containing play efficiency. They were they were negative drives like fairly decent at containing three, you know, getting three and outs and, and, and maybe getting some turnovers, grading out at 46 on that. But um, and some of this, I'm really interested to see how it shakes out with the new coordinator because they, they graded out at 65 at drive efficiency last season. So all controlling all those other things, you know, they still gave up, you know, they gave up more points than you'd expect, uh, um, you know, on the drives. Like they, they, they kind of struggled to get off the field sometimes. Um, and sometimes that's sometimes that is you just don't have home run players that can get there. You know, and actually, you know, get there on third down and and, and get the opponent off the field. And, and sometimes it's just play calling. Um, but this this Auburn team is, you know, they are they, they do they do put a lot of pressure on you. And I, I'm interested to see. And um, I guess you could say, too, with Knicks. I mean, do you think Oregon is is prepared for uh, how often Knicks is probably going to run the ball? Um, and like, not just in like, I mean, cause I, my guess is, is that they'll, they will try to simplify his reads by, by making him, by making him a dangerous runner or two and making Oregon account for that. Uh, I definitely think they're prepared for a running quarterback. I mean, it's not like they don't face those in the pack 12 yeah. and, and if anything, I think the, you know, the way that Oregon has recruited its defensive front is probably better laterally than it is, you know, just right yeah. up the middle. Um, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, the, the feedback that I was getting pretty consistently was that Gatewood was the more of the running quarterback and Knicks was more of the Stidham style pocket passer. Um, okay. and, and a number of the Auburn folks that I've, I've spoken to sort of expressed surprise because there's apparently this internal debate in, among the Auburn fan base about the, you know, the the Gus Malzahn and the run based quarterbacks versus the passing based quarterbacks. And uh, and I don't want to re- I don't want to rehash all of that. But essentially they were.
they were reading political tea leaves into uh, uh, Nick's being chosen, and they all seemed to think that that meant uh, more more of Stidham. Um, the the what I would like to see. Um, <laughs> the game that I think this is going to remind me the most of is Oregon's game against Washington last year, where okay. the what the defense did, what the defense was very, Oregon's defense was very good. It was breaking into Washington's his backfield. Um, they were flushing Jake Browning a lot in that game. And I put yeah. together an entire, you know, video ensemble about this of all the different times that Oregon get in the backfield. They would even have like a hand on Browning or on the running back. And he you know, pirouette and dance away from it and run for a first down. It was, you know, you pull your hair out over that sort of stuff. I sort of expect a similar thing uh, in this game in that I think Auburn's um, interior offensive line is not going to be able to contain the interior of Oregon's defensive line. And Nix is going to get flushed from the pocket. And then uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I am really curious to see if they're bringing him down, if they're forcing him to throw it away, if they are getting turnovers or sacks or out of that. I think it's going to be quick work for Oregon because you put a true freshman in that sort of situation under the big lights and it could break down real fast. If they are letting him dance away and make throws uh, you know, on the move, then it could be a long night for Oregon. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I would love to see Fat Mac all over that backfield. Like okay. <laughs> he's just such a fun guy. Um, yes, indeed. And I, I love you know looking at your defensive line. Um, it, it was interesting trying to do the depth chart before it came out, right? Because you had a lot of players that could put that pressure, right? You have uh, obviously like Gus Cumberlander who'd been there for a while. You have that number one pick. I think it's Thibodeau, right? Yep, Thibodeau. Yeah, there we go. DJ Johnson. I mean, those are like it's it's an or or or. On one side of the the defensive end, there you have Jordan Scott, um, even somebody like Bryson Young. Like ju- I just really liked the options that you have on that front, and I'm pretty high on the linebacking core. I'm curious to flip that around because one of the things about Auburn that you had written about was they have to replace their two interior uh, linebackers, um, their two inside linebackers, and three really. Oh yeah, well that's that's even better. Um, and then when you take a look at that defensive line, yes, they have basically two and a half like star NFL players on there, but they also have to replace one of their defensive tackles. And I'm just curious to see how strong of a running game, because it seems like that's kind of what Chris Ball wants to do with Oregon is run that ball, run that ball, power run. So do you see Oregon trying up in the middle, trying up the middle and just probing that that interior position to see if you can get that upper hand? Or, or do you think they're going to throw a more like holistic offensive scheme at Auburn in the beginning? Uh, you know, what we've seen so far out of Cristobal is, 
is definitely he's going to try, you know, running up the middle, running up the middle, play action pass. You know, like it may, might be boring. It's definitely something that's caused consternation to the Oregon fan base, uh, which is, you know, expecting the, the return of Chip Kelly for some reason. Um, but <laughs> well, when, but you wa- yeah. when you watch, you know, Empire Strikes Back and then you watch the, you know, Phantom Menace, I mean, you can only hearken back to the better days of the Star Wars franchise. I'm sure it's like that with Oregon, right? When you have a but, slower offense. You know, not not to take, you know, what, you know, coach speak too seriously, but if there's one message that Mario Cristobal has been very on point about, it's impose your will, right? Like he really believes that's how football is conducted. And, you know, if you present him with a strength on strength where, you know, if my best unit beats your best unit, then, you know, you are demoralized and fractured and, you know, you you built your team around this and now, you you know, we've taken it away. Like that's definitely he's going to do and for it to be the offensive line <laughs> of all groups being the one tr- you know to to do that in position yes that would be that strikes me as an irresistible attraction uh to mario cristobal psychology so i definitely think you're going to see that um you know the fact that yeah they're replacing you know everybody who played inside linebacker uh and and while their number one defensive tackle, Derek Brown, is an absolute uh, phenom, he's incredible. Uh, everybody else in the depth chart behind him at defensive tackle, you know, that they need at least three more guys. And I don't know who they're going to be. I definitely don't think they're Derek Brown quality. Um, they may be reaching for guys who were fourth string in 2018 due to some injuries and, and personnel losses. So I think that Cristobal will see. I don't know if it will wind up being an actual vulnerability. You know, Auburn has recruited very well at the position. You know, we will have to see. But I think he will believe, at least to begin the game, that that will be a vulnerability and he'll attempt to attack it. Last last year, Oregon sometimes struggled to throw. I mean, they struggled a little bit to run the ball, too, but they, they struggled to throw the ball. Um, does Oregon have, coming into this game, does Oregon have the, the wide receiver depth necessary in this game? Because uh your you Oregon or Auburn returns most of their secondary they they lose their best corner um but that said i mean Jawan Johnson's probably the number i mean this is yeah, I would probably agree. the number one wide receiver um you know and then and then it's some question marks schoolers out yeah. uh Pitt, i mean Mike Pittman's out right yep yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. I mean, the, there's, it's like that like, scene in the. Remember the the scene in The Simpsons where Martin Prince uh, gets a swimming pool and everybody tries to steal his uh, swim trunks, and then he he he's like, "Ha ha! I've defeated you all!" And he puts on like seven hundred pairs of swimming trunks. He says, <laughs> "Take your best shot," and then of course they just steal all of them. And he's like, "Oh no, my hubris!" And I'm, that's exactly what I'm thinking about with Oregon's wide receivers because they pulled in like I'm not joking a dozen different four stars of the last two recruiting cycles. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. And it's like when watching them all go down, I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> um, the, I, I don't know the answer to that question. If I knew the answer to that question, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> we're just going to have to see. Uh, you know, I believe the depth chart will wind up being Juwan Johnson, uh, Jalen Red, Johnny Johnson. That's going to be really confusing J- because they're they're both Jay Johnsons. Uh, um and uh, we might see some uh, Josh Delgado and the I think the wild card is um, is Addison, who came in last year at, at oh, the yeah. last minute. That was uh, the the guy who couldn't get into UCLA and, and Oregon's dumb, dumb people schools. So they get to get get him, I guess. Uh, and 
and yeah, you know, we, we shall have to see. I think the thing about both Addison and uh, Juwan Johnson is they will tower over the returning uh, defensive backs from Auburn. Um, it, you know, they're bringing nine out of the 10 guys back. But as you mentioned, they're losing who I think their best defensive back is and the only guy who had any height in the entire secondary. And, uh, you know, they're pretty fast guys, but we're going to have to see whether or not they can handle that matchup because, you know, that is one thing that Justin Herbert, you know, for all his and tribulations and I, I can't wait for the off season to be over to stop here in the hot take about you know hey hey I, I just had this brilliant insight that maybe Justin Herbert is not the best quarterback in the universe and I'm like <laughs> I've been writing articles about that since 2017 like you're late to the party um, but you know if there's one thing that he does well it's hitting that uh, you know, hitting that route. I mean, that's what he, you know, he and Dylan Mitchell feasted on what, you know, Dylan yeah. Mitchell wasn't even that tall, but it was like, I'll beat you on this matchup. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Well, in Auburn, I mean, to have a quick follow up, I mean, their defense last season, they're they're They were like a better mirror image of Oregon in a way like they on defense, like they, they ranked out, they graded out number seven at containing explosive drives and beta rank. Like they, they were fairly disciplined, um, as a defense, they graded out at number sixteen. Like you could drive on them a bit. They graded you, out at number. You didn't show there. him giving. You didn't show him giving up a lot of explosive plays from the secondary. We didn't. I did not. I mean, compare. No. I mean, compare. Like that's a that's of, big disagreement with S and P plus. Um, I'm not saying one of you guys is wrong or right. I'm just saying like that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you look at S and P plus, they're like top twenty in all the different categories except for ISO PPP, in which they're like eighty. Oh, see, well, one of the main differences, though, is like every factor that goes in to there's no raw metrics that go into beta rank. Like everything has an opponent adjustment. I don't know. But yeah, they were pretty good at containing explosive drives comparatively. But like I said, like some of that is going to be that they played against a pretty rough schedule of offense. That's true. <laughs> so so beta rank is definitely giving them credit for like, hey, you had to play Bama and Bama just loved to go deep. Um but they're, I mean, this Oregon offense, like they're, this Oregon offense last season wasn't hugely explosive. So they, they, in some ways, it, it may set up for um, Oregon and a little better, you know, in this game is that, you know, Oregon's identity in a way is is wanting to be able to run the ball, um, maybe set up some, maybe be able to set up some play action. Are, are they still in the pistol coming into this season? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, I expect that. Uh, yeah. Who knows? They could have thrown out the playbook. I mean, it's the first game. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would expect that. Sure. And, and I definitely think that you're right that the, uh, you know, identity that they carved out was efficiency based rather than explosion based, which was part of the reason why a lot of Oregon fans were were losing their minds because they were used to, you know, nine years or whatever, of, uh, you know, super explosive uh, offenses. But that would would have the, you know, the flip side problem of like, you know, a lot of three and outs or going backwards or whatever. And, and, and so, yeah, you know, this offense is definitely comfortable, you know, grinding out a drive. I tend to think that this offense will probably be a little more explosive in 2019. Yeah. Like all the signs seem to indicate that, uh, in terms of, you know, it was freshman running backs in 2018. It was the first year of an insolvent new offense in 2018. The wide receiver core was terrible and you could definitely watch defenses bring the safety down and whatever side of the field Dylan Mitchell wasn't on you know like that, that was one of the things I, I took away from film review was that you know it's not that they weren't getting explosion plays because they had a bunch of guys with cement in their shoes um, you know it was it was 
structural. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, some different players, you know, better wide receivers, you know, second year in the system, more experienced running backs, a, a, a wider core of running backs. You probably see Darian Felix who's a real explosive guy, um, you know, will probably contribute to more explosive plays. I, I'm not sure if that'll show up against Auburn because their defense, as you say, is very good. Um, but I think going forward, you, you know, I, if it weren't significantly more explosive in 2019 than 2018, I, I would be surprised. All right. Last question before we ask you who you're taking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask one more question, damn it. Oh, no, go for it. Go for it. That's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm fascinated by your secondary because there has been, I mean, basically this is the case throughout Oregon's recruiting classes in the last couple of years, but I think this predates those awesome Cristobal classes where you have some players in that secondary that can be really solid and, uh, or, or not. <laughs> and I'm looking at yeah. your corners, right? So, um, you have, you have Lenore and then you have, um, uh, well, yeah, Brady, Graham. yeah, Thomas Graham, but you also have like Brady Breeze, who's been this top 10, you know, s- safety prospect that's been in the program for like three years and he's battling Nick Pickett. Um, you have mm-hmm. Javon Holland. I, I, how is that? How do you see that coming together? Because I think your corners, these are, this is either the third year or fourth year together. So, I mean, they're upperclassmen, they've had the experience and, um, can they contain some pretty big wide receivers on Auburn's front? I know one of the, the kids that they have out there, um, is like six three. 225 and he's going to be probably their top wide receiver and um we already talked about the tight ends but how do you how do you feel about that secondary going into this season um I'm a lot more confident about the corners than I am the safeties. Um, the corners, Graham and Lenore, um, were both true freshman starters, both four stars from 2017. I I, I thought they had a real up and down 2017. Um, they were they were good at most stuff, but they were real bad just giving up the real deep you know, sideline routes. Um, they got. Uh, better at that in 2018. I, th- I thought by the end of the year, they were actually starting to play like four stars. The other thing that I noticed in 2018 was, um, or actually both years, is that there was no one behind them. I mean, no one. They literally never played any corner for two straight years for 25 straight games. There was never another player uh, who came in a corner because they didn't have another player to play a corner. And you could tell by the ends of games, they would start to get tired because, you know, they're running around the field the whole time. So that's, you know, maybe more than any other other position, um, except for the ones that got injuries, where obviously injuries expose depth problems. I think that corner, uh, Oregon's corners kind of flew under the radar as a depth problem position because, uh, you know, they just didn't believe they could afford to play anybody else. And the 2018, 2019 classes brought in, you know, some pretty great, uh, you know, pretty great guys um, uh, who've been showing up in in fall camp. So I think they will have some uh, rotation behind them. And I think that'll improve their performance. I think from breaking down, um, Auburn's receiver core, there's kind of a disconnect because I don't have much confidence in Auburn's receiver core. I think they have one great guy. Seth Williams is the guy that you're mentioning. He was a freshman last year. I think he's going to have a great season. I think uh, Graham's going to be on him. And if you watched Graham play against Nikhil Harry, uh, he played against he's he Graham played against Nikhil Harry twice. He played against him in 2017, in which he got destroyed. And he played him in in 2018, in which Graham destroyed Harry. I don't think that Seth Williams is Nikhil Harry. I think that Graham's going to do okay and i don't have much confidence in the rest of auburn's receiver core um they first of all didn't play much you know they graduated their two top receivers darius slayton and ryan uh, davis or sent them to the nfl i can't remember um and they essentially played nobody else everybody else was a blocker 
or um, you know a track star converted to a a wide receiver or a tight end who was playing as a wide receiver but they didn't target enough and they're they're getting guys back who are injured like Eli Stove and Will Hastings but I, you know I've never seen them before they're at least a year rusty this will be the opener uh, I actually am relatively confident on that question I am not relatively confident about the safeties um, I, I like Javon Holland he played pretty well as the nickel in 2018 you know he was probably the best de- debut of an Oregon defensive player in 2018. But Nick Pickett and Brady Breeze have been fighting, you know, this battle for the other safety position for a long time now, and I haven't liked either of their play. Um, I'm a little more worried about their ability to contain runs up the middle and maybe some of the short stuff. Um, you know, they're they're going to be the guys who are on like the Will Hastings, Wes Welker type, you know, slot receiver, you know, little shifty stuff like that. Um, and, and I'm not sure about that. I, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if they get a run past the second level, I'm not sure about their ability to bring those guys down that you know that's going to be a question that i've definitely got uh, going to have my eyes on so stop me if you've heard this before you're playing a team that is a zone blocking team it's not that great at the middle but the wide receivers block well outside because i feel like auburn that's auburn in some ways right like coming into this year mm. but man it, oregon, it was auburn in the past certainly yeah and, and they but man oregon really struggled against arizona last season when arizona ran that football against them outside and does oregon i mean the i guess like, like when you look at that matchup you know it, it they do match up well you also add in the fact that you like Auburn, unlike Arizona with Khalil Tate's ankle last season, could throw in some some QB outside zone, um, you know, using a running back as a blocker. Does Oregon does Oregon have it, in, you know, like our schematically? Because last season they did not like and they didn't make good adjustments. I mean, honestly, totally different defensive coordinator. <laughs> so, I mean, my expectation is, is like they'll probably try to make more adjustments than they did last year. But. Um, I think they like the the corner. I, I think if you looked at it last season, the corners and the you know the Emlos uh, really struggled to, uh, and got sealed off a lot uh, in that game against a, a zone blocking team. Uh, I have a pretty different take on the the Arizona game. I don't really want to rehash it too much, but I will mention like. Oregon had three starting linebackers who were out in that game. They literally had two two walk-ons and a fourth string uh, on the field in that game. And the way that Levitt's scheme uh, was in defending that defense, it, it was less about the secondary getting those outside zone runs and more about the linebackers, and they just weren't uh, there. Okay. Like, they were just badly out of position. Okay. And, I mean, I had to do the film review on that game. It was not a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it is it is seared into my mind. Um, Dory, Rob just did the Hawaii game. So, uh, you, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Loves company, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> start shoving bamboo splints under our fingernails here. Um, uh, yeah, I, that's that is not particularly my concern. I think laterally, the linebacker motion um, is not going to be a big problem in this game. Uh, uh, I think that if. I, I really think it just comes down to their quarterback. It, I think if their quarterback is the, because I mean, he was the number one dual threat, you know, guy, and everybody's come out of camp raving about him. If 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 he is able to improvise, if he keeps his cool, um, like Cordero did from Hawaii, uh, uh, oh. then I, I, you knew I had to do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, then then you know they could really surprise Oregon. Otherwise, you know, I I honestly was not 
super thrilled with uh, with uh, Auburn's you know offense. I I think they you know misallocated a lot of resources, and I didn't think their offensive line was very good. And, and I'm a huge offensive line stan. You know, I think if you don't have an offensive line, you don't have a team, and, and they don't have much of an offensive line. Let's give you three and a half points here, Hithliday. Depending on what right. book you're at, let's do three and a half though. Three in the hook, um, kind of a neutral field, not really a neutral field. Who are you taking? Uh, if you're giving me three and a half points, I'd take Oregon. Okay. All right. Well, we will tune in. I think it's four o'clock Pacific time on one of the networks. <laughs> I, I had all, listen to our other podcasts. We have all the times and dates and channels and stuff. But um, thanks for chatting that game with us. And we're really excited to break down and get your take on some of these Pac-12 teams as we go into week one. Let's do that right after this. All right, we're back talking Pac-12 football with Hithliday from Addicted to Quack. And if you have not tuned in to the Quack 12 podcast, uh, do so. The breakdowns that Hithliday and Adam uh, Chimeo have done on that podcast with a number of Pac-12 partners from across the the conference, including a lot of our friends here at 12-Pack Radio, really, really good. And I think the interviews, Hithliday, that you had uh, certainly impacted the interviews that we had. But we're still approaching this probably from different types, sides of the prism. So where do you want to start? The world's your oyster. There's a lot of fascinating teams this year in the conference. Hey everyone, it's Bryant, and I am traveling right now. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Hithliday on the Auburn-Oregon game. We will continue to break down different games, particularly the big games, as we move forward into the season. The other thing that we did with Hithliday is we had a two-hour conversation between Hithliday, myself, and Rob. And frankly, the real goal there was Hithliday and Rob really diving into the teams. I think the content was really good, and... We've decided to release these uh, different interviews in like two to three team bits, particularly after week one when there's been a lot of uh, play that we've been able to see. And it'll be really fun to compare what we had said to the stuff that we had seen on the field after week one. So those are coming. And I think you'll like them a lot. I don't know if there's another podcast covering the Pac-12 that will get into the real X's and O's of football and Pac-12 football like Rob and Hithliday did. So keep a lookout for those. Look forward to those. And we are also going to have Hithliday on in a few weeks to do a summary of the Pac-12 North after all these non-conference games have been knocked out. So lots of good content coming and stay tuned.